Today on Season 3, Episode 45 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce and Ken get back to business as the season winds up. We give initial 53-man roster reactions, talk surprises, injury lists, and the practice squad. With our Week 1 matchup against the Vikings only three days away, we can't resist talking the history, the rivalry, and the feud. What can we expect going into the Week 1 clash? Who has the early edge? Listen in and find out. And now it's time for new season on tap. so much for following the unknown packers podcast touchdown dagger al harris 56 yards to a game winning touchdown green bay packers winning isn't everything but it's the only thing Let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. This is Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for new season on tap. Myself and Ken Ingles breaking down the 53-man roster, practice squad, some other little tasty nuggets in pre-production. I had been talking to Ken about a guy that I am super excited about, but not for this year in 2021. So brace yourselves for the entire episode. I'll sprinkle it in there, and I'm excited to hear Ken's reaction. Second half, we're going to talk about the Packers-Vikings. We are three days away. I can't believe it. NFL season is here, and so let's kick off the new season Ken, how are you doing, man? It feels like forever since we last talked. It has been forever, Bryce. Let's go. Like, yeah, let's real football. <laughs> and, and you know, it's one of those things in years past where we'd have preseason and we'd have four games of preseason and we'd be like, oh, I'm sick of this. You know, I'm ready for real football. That's true. I'm just ready for football. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't, I honestly like, cannot. I mean, we did a COVID episode. We like, I mean, we, we probably lost a little listeners on the way, but I cannot believe that we're three days away from Packers-Vikings. We'll talk about the Packers-Vikings in the second half. But in the first half, the Packers released their 53-man roster this past Saturday. And Ken, you were a busy man on Saturday. And you've been just blowing up the beautiful tweets left and right. Give me your thought process. Because, I mean, you were working, doing the salary cap all day through Saturday. So give me your take on what Saturday was like for you as all these roster cuts were happening. Yep, basically just woke up and told my wife, hey, I'm going to be on the computer pretty much all day. Um, I'm going to help out when I can around the house, but I just want to stay on top of it. You know, I've got my processes here with my spreadsheets or whatever, and I was just kind of following along with everyone else and trying to make predictions as we go along. And I basically, as soon as the roster was announced i felt confident to where the number was i was able to say hey this is what how much money they have left to play with you know now That's that crazy. things are official and that we've trained that we transitioned from preseason world to actual season world and you know this is what we can expect going forward you are a bad man and a bad man like in a good thing like when you told me like on saturday that you spent the entire day doing salary cap like i had i had assumed that you were going to do i just the dedication. So everyone that's tuning in, I hope you enjoy as much as I enjoy following Ken. And I'm humbled to share the platform with you 
and thrilled to talk about like the 53 man roster. For me, my initial reaction was that, all right, Gudekunst and Lafleur are slowly but surely turning right. this roster into their own. And so, you know, the first 20 months, can you imagine? Coach Lafleur has been around for 20 months. 29 wow. of the 53 players the Packers carried over through Saturday's mandatory cuts arrived in Green Bay after Lafleur was hired in January of 2019. Meanwhile, only 13 players predate third-year general manager Brian Gutekunst. I thought that was tasty. Well, yeah, that's crazy. They they are shaping their team. You know, how much can you really do in year one with a new head coach, right? Right. Takes a bit to get on the same page, understand what's going to work, what's not going to work. You know, it takes a coach a while just to learn the players that you're getting. You know, you can only watch so much tape of, you know, Rodgers and the offense and trying to figure out how you're going to adapt that into a Lafleur-style offense and whether it's going to be his style or it's going to be a hybrid of a West Coast versus, you know, a Shanahan-esque type offense. Mm -hmm. We'll see as this year comes as, as we get further and further into this season, we can actually see football being played. But yeah, they've they've they're starting to to shape their the roster for the guys that they want. But it's also you know you said what you said thirteen guys from the pre Gutekunst era. That's yeah. At first, it sounded like that was low, but I'm like, man, that sounds kind of high. I, I feel like guys typically come in and they just they're not shy to bring the axe to kind of the previous reign, but you know, there's guys like a Robert Tanyan, for instance, he was a pre goody guy who's now looking to maybe be the starter. Yeah. The (laughs) sycamore baby, big Bob. Yeah. So what, so going through the 53 man roster, I mean, you you had the quarterback position. I mean, there was no uh, surprise there. No. Uh, What I did think was interesting. uh, So Ian Kenyon, who's a bleacher report, writer <laughs> he uh tweeted out and like throwing shade and typically i don't like to rake people over the coals but i thought this was pretty hilarious he had uh where aj dillon was third on the depth chart and tim boyle or uh, and jordan love was third on the depth chart and pretty much blasting lafleur and gutekunst draft class and i i just i i felt like i had to mention that, like that clearly that that doesn't matter. And on top of it, are you crazy? Like you have no, I mean, that's just a hot take. You're, you're doing that for clicks. You're doing that for likes, but no, no off virtual off season, no preseason. And this is what you decided to fixate on. And so I just, I needed to throw that out there. Right. And I, I saw some of those type of things too. And my takeaway is it's, draft and develop it's not draft and start <laughs> right and look back right the the Packers were 13 and 3 you know you can argue whether or not you know okay maybe they could have been an 11 win team a 12 win team what have you but that's football the ball luck's involved in every game the ball can bounce one way or another you know and decide a lot of different outcomes at the end of the day they won 13 games and they were in the NFC championship game so you have to think your starting point is a talented roster. And right. so going into a draft and then an offseason where no one can really show these new rookies can't really even showcase what their talents are. I don't know how many starters you really are expecting out of that class. Like Jordan Love, he was drafted to be well known that 
hey, this guy's going to take like one or two years to like develop. He's not ready. And so it's not surprising to me that he's not ready today when he literally hasn't even thrown a football in the league or in a preseason environment. It shouldn't be surprising to anyone. And I'm not a big fan of hot takes and clickbait and that type of stuff, but dumping on Jordan Love for not being a starting quarterback today or like ready to step in and challenge Rodgers today is just ludicrous to me. It's it's insane. And I could be wrong, but I thought like, wasn't Craig Nall, like, wasn't he, didn't Rodgers, Rodgers was like third on the depth chart his rookie year too, I thought. Yeah, I saw someone like tweet out one of Jason Wildey's like, I think um, analysis saying like Rogers did okay, but he might not even be the second string quarterback. And it's, <laughs> history is repeating itself. Like, and I said and it here when we, we are. The, we're talking about it, right? Right, exactly. And you know, I said it when we did our fifty-three man roster episode, where I don't want to hear Jordan Love's name until like March. Right, right. He's the third string guy. Let him sit. Let him learn. Let him absorb everything. Let him be a sponge. Next year. Hopefully he can be the number two guy. Boyle's a restricted free agent. Are we really going to pay money to keep him around? Who no, knows? No. So by all accounts, he'll be the number two guy. And then maybe the year after that, he'll be starting. We'll see. We'll see. And that, that'll be uh, an episode that I look forward to recording with you in a couple of years. So we'll mark that on the calendars here and moving. I mean, when you look at the running backs, you had Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, who was a popular cut Earlier, I would say in what March, April, and then you got AJ Dillon. Yep, post draft. Yeah, especially post draft. AJ Dillon. Then you got Tyler Irvin, uh, the swerve listed as a running back. I mean, I think the big surprise for me, and maybe I was on my own little island, but I thought I thought John Lovett, just the wait, the fullback position, the emphasis on that. Obviously, you drafted. Deguara to be that H back to be that versatile type of uh, playmaker for Lafleur, but I don't know. Maybe it was the locks and the the pseudo mullet that I sometimes rock that I felt like a little bit of like kindred spirits with John Lovett. But we were able to snag him and put him on the practice squad though, so right. there could be there could be some Lovett action. That was that was the first one that I saw where I was like, ooh, I you know, and I I didn't see a lot. But I just thought that uh, he was a guy that played quarterback at Princeton. There were rumblings, and maybe it's just because he played quarterback at Princeton that he could be like that Taysom Hill. He can fill that void again for the Packer fans. Like a nice gadget-type player. I think think the reason he didn't make it is, A, he seemed to have a pretty quiet camp. But then also, using kind of the style of the camp to the Packers' advantage, like, well... This guy spent his entire last season on IR, so there's not a lot of tape on him, and there's going to be no tape of him this year. So he's an easy guy to be able to stash, and maybe not. he won't necessarily be like a key component in this offense because it seems like he's kind of um, overlapping with what they're maybe having DeGuara do, some things that maybe they want Sternberger to do as kind of a hybrid H-back tight end type of role. So... I do see him, though, as someone who can maybe pop up from time to time if needed to fill an injury or if there's, you know, other things are just not working out. I'm all for John Lovett. Uh, I, I, would lo- if, I mean, if he scored a touchdown this season, I would lose my mind. And just so you're aware, he is not the practice squad guy that I am referring to. Gotta, gotta be patient. I'll, I don't like, it I don't like you teasing me like this, man. <laughs> you're like, hey, I got, you're like, I got a guy, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm like, great. <laughs> 
the big surprise, I mean, we got to talk about it, is Malik Taylor. When we're moving on to the wide receiver position, Malik Turner was a guy that everyone was talking about. Right. But, but Malik Taylor, and I, I am so mad that I let a couple articles that I read and mm-hmm. notable that influenced me on putting Jake Kumaro on the 53 when I knew in my gut that he didn't belong there. Darius Shepard was another guy that wasn't on my pre-53 and started hearing all about his great camp and how he wasn't that guy back in October. And and he was the guy that was the undrafted free agent tryout. So I was more annoyed that I think it's like that fantasy football draft where you do a lot of prep, but then you're mm-hmm. on the clock and then you start thinking like, ah, do I go with this guy? Do I go with that guy? And I, I didn't listen to myself during you, the 53. You strayed from the board. You strayed from your draft board. I, your your 53-man board, you strayed from it, Bryce. I mean, and for those that maybe are new listeners and supporters, and for, for those that are, welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast. We're thrilled that you're, you're, you're tuning in for new season on tap. But last year, I had Alan Lazard making the 53-man roster back in April. And he didn't make the 53-man roster, so I don't even know why I'm bragging, but he's also now wide receiver too. So I I think I've got a little bit of uh, juice when it comes to the 53 <laughs> and prediction. I, I, I failed on that. I was half glass empty, if you will, especially with right when I saw him get released, I was like, I knew it. Like, why did I do that? So, And that was one of the first releases too. Like Rob Domoski had that, Right away. The first one was, I believe, John LeGlue, the, yeah. the guard or tack, guard tackle center mm-hmm. that we have. And then the, the very next too. one was, oh, by the way, Jake Kumaro is gone. Yeah. And that was the slid that in that. there because Demo knew people were going to lose their minds, I guess. Oh, yeah. And I know he was working on that one. But Malik Taylor is, it goes again. And I knew I should, I, ha- I had something like this. I But again, I was like you. I got influence and I read too many like reports. <laughs> Kumaro's the man. But again, I had been I was the guy saying there's no way Kumaro makes a team. Right. He's too old right. and he doesn't have potential's just not there anymore. It's like he's mm-hmm. going into his fifth or sixth year and he has like a handful of catches. He is what he is. Which is Malik a sexy Taylor, move by right? the Packers. Malik Taylor is a guy who is young, cheap, and with upside. He's exactly the opposite of what Kumaro would be. The fact that Malik Taylor's on this roster is all about the future. It is post-2020. And if he does something in 2020, that's like an added bonus. But you look at the other guys that are around. Devante, he's only around for one more year after this. Same with mm-hmm. MVS EQ. Who are we keeping of those two? Like, they, neither of them have really proven themselves. Lazard's yep. a guy who's, you know, he can stick around, um, and but I'm hoping he doesn't take like the Geronimo Allison, you know, plunge of the Ooh. undrafted free agent who comes in and blows, you know, takes the the world by storm, and then you know teams figure him out, and then oh yikes, right? I'm really oh, hoping that's not him. They need someone who's young and they can control. I thought Reggie Bagleton might be that guy at the beginning of the year. Then they brought in Malik Turner. I thought he could have been that guy, <laughs> but then, no. But Malik Taylor, it, he's just you know, you know, and obviously I'm not, I'm not there. I can't see the camp, see the practicing. But it sounds like you know, of the best of the rest is what maybe what I'll call him. 
And well, you know, maybe maybe let's see what he can do down the road. But it's about having a young, affordable, cheap guy that who can. It was nothing but upside. And I mean, when you're looking at, he was on the practice squad in 2019, which gave him time to you know understand the offense a little bit. Right. And then he showed up in practice. I mean, going back and looking at just certain tweets of different reporters. I mean, he and as Lafleur said, as well as Brian Gutekunst consistency. He was just consistent the entire training camp at Ferris State, a D2 school in Big Rapids, Michigan, big, big Rapids, Michigan. Taylor caught 47 passes for 1,017 yards and a 21.6 yard average, which is sexy, and five touchdowns as a sophomore in 2016, had 61 passes for 906 yards and six touchdowns as a junior in 2017. He missed almost all of his senior year due to a hamstring injury that ruined his draft prospects. So this is a guy that, like, he's got some juice. He's got some speed. He's got good size. He showed up in camp. And for them, I mean, I think it's just a savvy move. It's 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 a move, like you said, looking into the future. So for me, he was clearly, when I saw it, I, I, I had to. I was like, oh, man, they kept... They kept Malik Turner, and then I was like, "Wait a minute!" They kept Malik Taylor. <laughs> you know, I I did everyone, it for a couple. Seconds. Everyone was making that mistake this year. <laughs> like, okay, or they'd be asking a reporter, like, "Oh, Mal- Malik T did a good job. Like, is it Turner or Taylor? Are you sure you have the right one?" And yeah, everyone's like, "I'm just glad." Like, I'm sure the reporters and the beat are just glad that there's only one <laughs> right. you know, Mal- Malik T wide receiver on this roster going forward. <laughs> Yeah, for a couple seconds, uh, there was definitely like, a, oh man, and then just did a little bit of research on him, and I'm go. excited about that. But that, by far and away, was the biggest surprise of the 53. Another surprise, though, keeping four tight ends for a second consecutive year. You've got Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan, Jay Sternberger, and Josiah DeGuara. I mean, I didn't think that there was any big surprises. I thought four were a lock. Yeah, those four, I think, from the beginning of, you know, right after the draft, those are the four names that were out there and you really didn't hear anything else. And, you know, maybe, you know, do you consider a John Lovett in that group if, you know, you consider him a tight end? But yeah, those four were seemed to be the, the solid locks. And then moving on, I mean, offensive line was another, here's another one that I was bummed out about. I had Yash Nyman on my pre-53. Love him. Me too. Undrafted free agent uh, last year out of uh, Virginia Tech. And then I started reading up about his elbow injury and all this other stuff. And But the one thing that I'm proud of uh, that I stuck to my guns, and no offense to Alex Light, I just did not think that, I mean, they snuck him on the practice squad, so they've got some opportunity for him. But I think other savvy moves, keeping John Runyon, uh, Yash Nyman, but there's a lot of question marks outside of that starting five. And one thing that I noticed is Elton Jenkins being a right tackle, possibly? Maybe. Moving on over. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about that in the second half. but So that could change up some things. But any surprises for you when it came to the offensive lineman? No real surprises. Again, I'm with you where I had Yash Nyman there, but then he was on pop, and I didn't know if he had enough practice. So again, I bought into the Alex Light hype, and I, that was another one of those guys where I'm like, there's no way he's going to make it. But I talk myself into that. I need to be more disciplined and stick to my guns and my 53-man draft board, if you will. I forgot um, Jake, that you uh, put yeah. on your 53. 
Yeah, I did. Jake Hansen, that's a guy that uh, surprised me that didn't stick around, but, you know, they were able to snag him back for the practice squad. Yeah, that's kind of a sneaky move, though. I mean... Right. But again, it's it's one of those things where this year there was an all-time low in terms of waiver claims in, like, the modern NFL, like, under the system this year because there's just no tape. And then it's also the hassle of, okay, if you claim somebody... They have to fly to your part of the country and then they have to redo all the COVID testing. And then by the time that's all done, it's midweek and you can't even be ready for week one. And so I, I think that was Belichick who was talking about that in his, uh, his, one of his press conferences, you know, after the Patriots roster was put together. And it's like, yeah, we didn't really do any much of that because these guys aren't really going to be available for us, but, mm, you know, okay. down the road, maybe. And so I think there's a lot more opportunity to kind of be sneaky with these cuts. Yeah. I, they're, like you said, not enough tape on there. They're, they were able to just sneak them in. And so Jake Hansen was a guy that I thought, you know, I had been talking about how I, I had mentioned about Jake Hansen that I thought that all, all the draft picks this year were going to make the team outside of uh, Stepanek. But I thought that that was going to be a lock, able to sneak him in. They must have not thought that Yash Nyman, I mean, maybe he would have cleared waivers, but they clearly are high on him. Or is it more of the depth uh, of that offensive line is another thing. So that is a position I'm going to key in on. Because you win in the trenches, and speaking, and speaking of on the opposite side of the trenches, you have the D line, and I guess Montrevious Adams is a little bit of a surprise for me. But this is his, you know, make or break year. This is this is it for him. Mm-hmm. And but then again, I think maybe the them not addressing D line in the draft, and them clearly not having that much. Help at D line, they could get a little creative with Zadarius and and, and Gary, but I, right. I, I thought I thought Adam sneaking in was a, was a little surprise, especially when you're turning over the roster the way Gutekunst and Lafleur have been doing. Right, I think what how he sticks around is his you know third round pedigree, and frankly, you know Trayvon Hester being hurt and just not being able to, it, it's a numbers game, right? Having keeping only four guys on a defensive line is tough and tricky. I know that they're going to maybe do some stuff where Z moves inside, Gary moves inside to kind of supplement mm-hmm. that. But at the end of the day, you look at this roster top to bottom, the D line for me is by far the weakest position. But you just, at the end of the day, you just need bodies. And Montrevious Adams is the last body <laughs> that that's they, right. That's going to be sticking around. Who knows how long, much longer he'll be here. Like, uh, I think he, what he's a he's a free agent after the season. I don't right. see him coming back unless he explodes. I think they're going to be relying on development from Kingsley Kiki. Right. Hopefully, Dean Lowry kind of turns it around this year. And again, you got Tyler Lancaster coming back super cheap. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a spot where in the future they need to figure that out and get some uh, more athletic beef on the line. Well, the weight is over for you, my friend, when it comes to the practice squad reveal. Oh, here it is. (laughs) Out of all the practice squad guys, the one that I am the most excited about that I'll I'll admit uh, more reading up in him, uh, reading about him, but it's uh, Willington uh, Prevalon 
uh, or Prevalon, I'm sorry. I can't even pronounce his name right. Willington Prevalon, Prevalon. guy out of Rutgers, really turned heads and also caught my attention when he won on one-on-ones against Elton Jenkins, like day seven of camp. So he's a guy that... He's a guy that uh, he really was a disruptor. He's a little bit bigger than Kiki, but he's a guy that I think he'll redshirt this year. A practice squad guy, he played in the Big Ten and can get after the quarterback. Uh, a lot of tackles for loss. So he's a guy that I, I hope Packer fans can keep an eye on. I, I'm rooting for him. I would love to see another practice squad sort of uh, jump up to the 53 next year and uh, really start producing for the Green Bay Packers. So he's he's the guy that I'm most excited about I, when it comes to the practice squad. I love it, man. I love it. He's a guy that I was really tempted to try and find a way to keep him on my 53-man yeah. mm-hmm. prediction. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up playing a few games. Again, there are some new practice squad rules to make it easy to promote and kind of call up almost like baseball rules where you can just pop up to the active roster and then they just are able to put you back down twice during the year. I could see him being a guy that can fill in if there's an injury or if they just if they need a little bit more beef, if uh, you know something isn't working out with some of the guys who just, frankly, in the past really haven't been up to their previous standards. And yeah, I, I love it. I'm here for it. I could see him being here sooner rather than later if uh, if needed. But definitely, Oof. I see him in the plans for 2021. Well, giddy up, my friend. And I and the wait Let's is go. no longer over. <laughs> Let's go. And I mean, as we go through. The rest of the defense, as we get closer and closer, wrapping up the first half, I mean, Christian Kirksey, you got Kamal Martin, Oren Burks, Ty Summers. I think the big news was Kamal Martin, his injury, and yeah. uh, they placed him on IR, and they're eligible to return in three weeks, but also the severity of Kamal Martin's injury. I, I feel horrible for him. He was having a hell of a camp, probably the most exciting player in camp next to the best draft pick. I, wow. Yeah. I that, mean, the one that's like, been showing up the most in training camp. Yeah, you're he was, right. He's going to be a starter. He was going to be starting out opposite of Kirksey in the base or whenever they would have two linebackers. You know, a lot of times they're, they have that dime safety come in. But yeah, he was he was turning heads all over the place. The reporters couldn't really talk about it. Yeah, right. That he was, <laughs> that he was like practice, that he was like running with the ones, but he yeah. was. They're and all whispering. And in that last, that last uh, practice at Lambeau, you know, just came up weird and tweaked it and they called practice early and that was a major reason. And that sucks because I was excited. I was yeah. real excited for this guy, but hopefully... Hopefully he can come back. They're saying maybe six, eight weeks. He's got to stay down for three, yep. but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that was the biggest. I mean, you had you had Malik Taylor, Kamal Martin injury. I mean, that was uh, huge news. And another, I thought another surprise, but I shouldn't have been that surprised because Rob Domoski talked about him uh, on our Rob Domoski on tap episode is uh, Rambo, Randy Ramsey making it, and the Tim Williams cut. Here's another guy that I did not have on my pre-53 that I like started sniffing sniffing this fragrant odor that I just couldn't get enough of. And uh, I put him on my 53, Tim Williams, that is. That's vivid. Yeah, that was... Vi- I, I, I want people to <laughs> understand my pain. But 
Jonathan Garvin look, looking to be a steal in the seventh round, and then you've got the Smith brothers, and you got Rashawn Gary, but but Randy Rambo Ramsey is uh, he was a, he was probably the third um, surprise, I would say, outside of the Martin injury, and then the Malik Taylor. Yeah, he got hurt last year at the end of camp, didn't he? Ramsey, right, right. I loved watching him in the preseason last year. I remember. I remember watching a few games and be like, this guy's going to make the team. Like he's, he's looking really good. And then, the you know, edge, he, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. He got hurt. And then I think that's when, um, that's when people were looking at, um, oh, who's that linebacker that's on the pup right now? Uh, Curtis Bolton started cool, kind of yeah. popping off when, uh, when Ramsey kind of got right. hurt. And then, but Ramsey and then Bolton, was the guy. And then Bolton got hurt. But I remember right. for a while, I wanted Ramsey. I thought he was going to be really good last year. He got hurt, and then he kind of, like you said, came out of left field this year. Mm-hmm. Excited to see what he can do. Yeah, uh, well, Rambo was, so Damoski talked about how you were going to, instead of looking at rookies that were going to make a contribution or like a big jump for for this year, not even a jump, like a, a big boost to this team, he mentioned Randy Ramsey specifically of a guy from last year, like a practice squad carryover as well as he didn't mention Malik Taylor, but Malik Taylor was a practice squad guy that was mm-hmm. carried over. Uh, Tipa was another guy that I was kind of hoping that maybe he could be that surprise, but there were no undrafted free agents, free agent rookies that made the 53 man roster. This was an uphill battle for him. Uh, we had talked about it numerous times and I, I guess I'd be remiss if I wouldn't mention the fourth surprise I'm going to add is KB on Ento with the cornerback mm-hmm. position. He's placed on IR though too, so I'm assuming that was probably strategic on on Gutekunst's part. Right. I think it came down to between Ento and Stanford Samuels as who they right. wanted to kind of keep around for that sixth cornerback spot. Mm-hmm. Ento, I think, he, I think he broke his foot, and I, I think that's what he the injury that he's dealing with. So I thought he was going to go on straight up like season ending injured reserve but for me that was a little bit of surprise that they kept him around on the 53 for a day actually two days and then they put him on reserve so that allows him to come back if he but apparently they're thinking it's not going to be season ending that he has a chance to be able to come back and they've since replaced him with perry nickerson yes i saw i saw somebody saying like don't you try and fool me, Nick Perry. I know who you are. Just <laughs> flipping your name around. Like, try, stop trying to get back on this roster. So Perry's or- a stud. Like, See, I, I don't think, know much about him. Tell me about so, him. So, hey, b- brace yourself, my friend. I'm super pumped. I was big on him in the 2018 draft. Guy out of Tulane. He was a six-rounder. He played four games for the Jaguars last year. As a rookie, though, he played in 16 games with two starts. And then he was traded to Seattle. Um, and then he spent most of the uh, last season on the practice squad for the Seahawks and the Jaguars. But get this, he was a four-year starter with four three two forty speed. Um, he has crazy ball skills. 16 interceptions, I want to say, uh, over his career at, at Tulane. Actually, yeah, in 2017, he had six interceptions. In 2016, he had four interceptions. Eight passes defensed. Nine passes defense is 2016, as well as a forced fumble. He's a guy that's going to be, he's a sneaky snag. Uh, I was hoping that the Packers were going to get him maybe in the sixth, seventh round. 
I had done a bunch of mock drafts and he was that guy that I had targeted. So I was a little giddy when I saw that we were able to uh, sneak him on. And I think that he can contribute. He's got that swagger. He's got um, some really nice ball skills and he's got some speed. So there you have it. Gutekunst, the need for speed, bringing more in. Sounds like he'll probably have an opportunity on special teams early then to showcase that speed, maybe as a gunner or something, and then see what he can do. In the cornerback spot. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, outside of, I mean, safety position, I didn't think there was a big surprise. I know uh, Vernon Scott, I'm thrilled that he he made the roster. I think that he can surprise some people for that safety position. Um, and then obviously the specialists. We have to mention the specialists because we forgot to mention them on our 53 on tap episode. So I'd be it just remiss. makes it easy. It's easy when there's only three of them in camp and they're not competing with anybody. <laughs> so, but yeah, I remember. Yeah, we we finished recording. I was like, don't forget about those guys. We love them too. <laughs> well, we're. Uh, I mean, outside of that, wrapping up the first half, and we're going to talk about Packers-Vikings in the second half. Unless, Ken, you got something else you want to add? Anything more with 53? Nothing much. Um, You know, as of right now, you know, they had the initial 53. They've, again, they put two guys down to engine reserve, and they signed your boy Perry Nickerson back. So Mm -hmm. they have one more open spot on the roster, and then they also have two more open spots on the practice squad. So they're at 14. They got bumped up to 16 this year. And so there's a few names that are rumored to be coming to the Packers. We'll see what happens if any of those actually come to be. But yeah, by game day, expect at least one more guy adding his name to this active roster. Oh, man. And speaking of game day, we are three days away. Three days. We're going to take a quick commercial break and come back and talk about Packers Vikings. Go Pack Go. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Here at Sonic Transformation, we believe that every good audio project starts with a good foundation. We want to help you build that foundation. Whether it be through commercial products or things you have around the house, no job is too big or small. We can make your podcast sound the best it can with what you have and a little nudging along the way. No equipment? No problem. Our consultants can help you get set up on your budget and in your space. Do you already have an established podcast but don't have the time to edit or just wish it sounded better? We can take care of that for you as well. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Again, that's www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. We are back with the second half of new season on tap and Packers Vikings week one, 12 p.m. kickoff this Sunday and no fans in attendance for the first time ever. So, I mean, it's happening. We were, I mean, we, we were thinking some dark thoughts and now football is here. You've got the roster like you said, a 13 and 3 team, 14 and 4 overall, first round bye, first year head coach, now second year head coach, and he's just got some swagger. And there's some hate with the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers, obviously, but not more 
I don't know if there's that much more hate than uh, Zimmer has or disdain has for <laughs> Lafleur and his uh, embarrassing way of shaking hands. Maybe he was just trying to social distance before social distancing was a popular thing to do. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. No eye contact. I mean, I still remember I, that was a vivid sort yeah, of. Yeah, uh, I remember that too. But I mean. You know, who's your daddy? You know, first year head coach comes in and uh, sweeps. And I don't know. I, I, when I think about the the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings, I, you, you cannot not think about Brett Favre and him going there. The disturbing enjoyment that the Vikings get with Barr and the injury to Aaron Rodgers and how they just showcase that as, well, as their trophy. Um, so it every every time I I thought that I cannot hate the Vikings anymore, it they just continue to surprise me more and more on why they're the the team that I just despise the most. Like I actually respect the Bears. I mean, there oh, is yeah. no there is no NFL without the Bears and Packers. But the Vikings they are just a sad, sad franchise, and I cannot wait for Sunday. And no fans, so there's no home field advantage for Minnesota. They're going to pump in whatever freaking weird Scandinavian sort of songs that they're going to throw in there. If I, we I, could, I, can we come I up with an wait. agreement that we'll let them pump in whatever crowd noise and music and whatever garbage they want? As long as that stupid Gallahorn doesn't go off for first downs. Yeah, that's the... I, oh, it's the worst. <laughs> that's the it's Scandinavian the absolute, thing I was talking about. It's the absolute worst, that damn horn. But, no, I, I agree with everything you said, man. Like, with the Bears, like, there's a respect there. Mm -hmm. Like, if I were to go into, like, a bar on game day and it was, like, a, it was a Bears bar... And I'm, and I'm the only guy there rocking my Packer gear. I imagine I could sit down and like have probably a really awesome, respectful conversation back and forth. Still ribbing, still good natured and making fun of you know other teams and stuff. But it'd be peaceful. And at the end of the day, I'd be like, yep, shake hands and go on your way. You do that to a Vikings bar. So like, there's gonna be a fight. Oh yeah, <laughs> because I feel like there's no respect and it's just visceral, venomous hate. And if there's one team that, for me, that I want to see the Packers beat every time, it is always going to be the Vikings. Sing it to me, Ken. I, and my my mom's side of the family are Vikings fans. And I grew up with their fair-weather, floppy, topsy-turvy, I don't know what I want to do, and I hate Brett Favre, and now I love Brett Favre, and you want them, you got them. And so that... That sweet, sweet interception in that NFC Championship game against the New Orleans Saints. I just, um, and then to find out like that was like part of Bounty Gate. Like I just, because I remember Favre just, just getting torpedoed, and just like the guy. I mean, he just would not stay down. Just get up. That was the part that you loved about Favre. Oh yeah. But that's just something that I cannot get over. And what I want to plant that seed in as you're getting ready for, for week one is they were so close to going to the Super Bowl and winning. I mean, 
Favre in the Super Bowl, I, I just can't imagine two weeks of Super Bowl coverage of Favre and the Vikings. And just that whole two weeks of like, are you serious? Is is he really going to do this? So that's just, that season, 2009, I mean, how Favre just completely stuck it to Ted Thompson, beaten, beaten us twice. I just, that's just something that just added, added more. And then when Barr took down Rodgers and then he grabbed his crotch and then like you see the whole other fan base grab their crotch and just talk and talk and talk. I I was like, okay, I will never ever not say something to a Vikings fan. Like, eat. Right. I, I just, I could not watch a, a game with a Vikings fan, I don't think. Right. Well, see, that's tough. So I went to college in... Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is like on the border between Wisconsin and Minnesota. And like half of the population there was from Wisconsin. The other half was from Minnesota. And a lot of my lifelong buddies to this point, half of them are Vikings fans. And so I've gotten to not respect it, but like I'm able to at least when we're watching games, like at least be able to tone it out a little bit. But yeah, it's tough. It was tough in college where, yeah, those uh, Vikings Packer weekends were always just raucous and a lot of trash talk. Oh, for sure. A lot of, a lot of just insanity, but it's tense. Right. But, you know, you talk about the Anthony Barr incident and it's not just the fan base, right? It's the organization. There was a hype video put out. Was it this year? And one of the highlights, like the crescendo of that hype video was Anthony Barr slamming Aaron Rodgers down and getting up and like celebrating in that manner. It's like the organization is like putting its stamp of approval on Yep, this is awesome. We are proud that this happened. And, you know, whatever. That's probably the best thing that that organization's ever been able to do is prevent another team from being successful for a few games rather than, you know, them being able to do anything. But I digress. I was not aware of this video. Oh, yeah. I think it was a 2020 or 2019 hype video for the season. Yeah, it was just appalling. Yeah. I, it just continues to to grow and and manifest, and uh, I cannot wait. It's the 120th time that the Vikings and Packers will, uh, have squared off, at, and now this will be at U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, the Packers own the win loss rights to the series with 62, 54, and three. Their first meeting, just a little history, October 22nd, 1961. The Green Bay Packers won 33-7. to I want to say that Tarkenton had like uh, two interceptions, like two fumbles. And then the last meeting, December 23rd, 2019, that's when uh, Zimmer gave uh, this embarrassing handshake to to Coach LaFleur. And I'm sure Coach LaFleur remembers that. I'm sure it's just adding fuel to him. But they they prevailed 23-10. And I think the tide has turned. I think Lafleur, I think he's got Zimmer's number. I think that there's some swagger. This is a new season, no fans. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, come Sunday. But I just can't, I mean, the culture that Lafleur has established as well as Gutekunst 
and the players that he's brought in. And then you see all the departures of the Vikings and then bringing other players. I just, for me, I I cannot, I expect to win. I'm just going to throw that out there. I, and I, I think that also Aaron Rodgers has, you know, he's got a 14-8-1 record and also has a 107.2 passer rating. In 23 games, Rodgers has 43 touchdowns to seven interceptions when he's played the Green Bay Packers. So, of course, they're going to incorporate this into their their hype video. He has just embarrassed them year after year, and it's going to happen again on Sunday. Yeah, Rodgers has been, he's killed them, especially up in Minnesota, too, it seems like. But I, I can't wait. I'm expecting a win as well. You know, this team, this Vikings team is just so, they're so young. They're so inexperienced, especially on the defensive side of the ball this year. And if there's a year to get young, this is probably the worst year to do it when there's no (laughs) offseason, right? These guys can't practice. They can't gel. They can't play under the lights together. They can't read and react together and grow as a team and as a unit. Because football is the greatest team sport. And... You can be a great player, but if you don't know how to read and react and play off of what the guy next to you and the guy next to him is going to do, then you can be a liability out there. And I think that can, I think that that's going to bite the Vikings harder than what anything that's going to happen for the Packers, which is basically returning almost their entire offense and defense from last year going up to their stadium. I think Gary Kubiak will be the one piece that I'm... And then obviously Danielle Hunter. He's a guy that just wreaks havoc. And so you're looking at that right side of the football and and seeing what... I mean, man, uh, I just have nightmares of Hunter just running rampant. and Who knows what can happen? But I just look at the offense. Also, Aaron Jones. Like, what was that? Like, uh, the stage too bright or the stage is not... Too bright for you. I forget what the what the oh, saying yeah, like, was when he told Barr like, "Were the lights too bright for you?" Yeah, like get off the get off the field. The lights are too bright for you. And then I love that Aaron Jones put that on a t shirt. Yeah, <laughs> I was oh, wearing man. it around. That's just so awesome. I and love that, it. That touchdown run. I don't know. There's just something. Aaron Rodgers is loose. He's happy. He's having fun in training camp. He might be having a little too fun. Uh, I'm going to be that copter parent that is uh-huh. saying, hey, why don't you? But I'll, I'll, uh, I'm actually plagiarizing because that was actually a Jason Wildey term where he was just like, all right, both of you uh, as the copter parent, I need you two to stop fooling around when speaking of Boyle and Rogers. But he just seems loose and a loose Aaron Rodgers and a chip on your shoulder like you don't think I can be here anymore you draft a quarterback Jordan Love I think that you're gonna see uh he can get a he'll probably get away with um some more hard counts now with no fans and this is more gonna be like your backyard not backyard football where there's no sort of organization but that feel to it no fans you're playing for pride it's just the teams out there I cannot wait to see what happens on Sunday. And on top of it, I cannot believe that we're actually playing football. I'm thrilled. Right. Oh, yeah. Just give me some football. That's a good point. You talked, though, about no fans in the stands. Like, watching watching basketball, right? And 
you, I almost kind of got used to how it looked, mm-hmm. like the look and feel of, of watching the experience on TV. And, you know, the video boards were you know a little different and distracting, but at least it, it filled in the background. I don't know how that telecast is going to look watching this game. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you going to hide a gigantic empty stadium full of fans? But haven't really kept up on what their plans are, if they're doing tarps, if they're doing cutouts, who knows? But I can't wait. I can't wait. The you know, some of the things that give me, you know, trouble looking at this is, you know, the Packers offensive line and what are they gonna do with Hunter mm-hmm. and Yannick? Um, Yannick and <laughs> Yeah. But what makes me feel a little bit better is that Yannick's probably going to line up over Bakhtiari, and they both play the same game. Yannick is all about speed, and Bakhtiari loves defending against the speed. That's his That's his strength. It's about the right side, and mm-hmm. who knows who we're lining up there. And that's where Hunter's going to be lining up. He's more of your, your bully, your um, beating you with strength yeah. type of rusher. And if Billy Turner's the guy, you know, that's his strength. But again, you know, he's the starter, but who knows if he's even going to be able to play. Mm-hmm. That right side of the line, you know, you talked about having nightmares with Daniel Hunter. Um, we don't even know who's going to be available because as of right now, Wagner and Turner are both hurting. And so what do we do? Elton Jenkins, Big E, it could be a possibility. I mean, uh, that was a question that was opposed to Lafleur, and I'd be, I mean, that was the purpose. I mean, I think you can put him all along, all along the line. I think he's your most valuable asset on the offensive line, and I'd be intrigued to see what could happen. I don't think that you want to do that because I'd much rather have, you know, that left side where you've got Bakhtiari and Jenkins, and it's like nothing's happening there. And right. the way that Jenkins can get to the next level as a guard I don't know if he can do the same way as as a right tackle. I'm sure that they could design some plays that get him out, you know, in space where he can uh, lead block. But when I look at the defense, so you've got the Vikings that they went from 18th to 9th in scoring with Kubiak in his first year last year. And they've had a lot of turnover um, when it's come to coordinators, what, Filippo and Stefanski. And so they've got a little bit of consistency now with Kubiak. I'd be interested to see what happens, but man, they've lost Stefan Diggs. Uh, They've lost a bunch on the defensive side of the football too. Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, all in the backfield. Linval Joseph, Everson Griffin. Like these, these are big, big, big names on the defense. So I and. I feel like they'll prevail. I mean, I just, but you're right. I mean, that the offensive line, I think that if the offensive line can control Hunter, I'm, and I'm a little, I don't know, maybe apprehensive, but with Yannick, and I mean, he just signed with the Vikings. So it's probably going to take him some time to get comfortable. But at the same time, who knows? But outside of that, I'm not. I got a bold prediction for you, Bryce. I got a bold prediction. I'm all for it. All right. And this is on the opposite side of the ball. So the Packers defense. I think that the Vikings are going to be so over-concerned and are going to overcompensate for Zadarius Smith, 
who pretty much could have like dusted off an Adrian Peterson jersey because he was basically in the backfield every single play <laughs> when the Vikings are on offense. But I think they're going to overcompensate for Zedarius and the nightmare and the havoc that he caused in their last game, <laughs> where he basically single-handedly yeah. won the NFC North in that game mm-hmm. for the Packers. But that I think that this is Gary's coming out party. Ooh, I wasn't I think, expecting that. Right. I think, or and he'll share it with Preston a little bit, but I think they're going to be moving a little, you know, they're going to shift the offense, they're going to shift the focus to wherever Z is and Z will be roaming. And Gary might be that guy that goes under the radar. And I think he might have a multi-sack game uh, to, to start the season. And man, would that feel good as a Packer fan. Oh, for Watching sure. Watching this guy, 12th overall pick, didn't really do much his first year. Look by all accounts, has been looking amazing in camp, transformed his body a little bit, and is ready to go and ready to eat. And that would just just feel so good. So good. Could you imagine? Like, uh, yeah, I once, can. Once Gary, <laughs> yeah, you just said it. <laughs> but with Gary, like, I mean, if he takes that next step, which all, all indications seems to, that's what's going to happen with Zadarius Smith as well as Preston Smith. But since we're getting close to wrapping up New season on tap. You're given a bold prediction. I like it. And, I, and I'm and i going to talk about my bold prediction will be the other first-round rookie, Darnell Savage. I think uh, you're going to see him really just, I think, just take that leap. Be that guy that can tilt the field. And a guy that can take it to the house. A guy that can change the way um, an offense game plans because you got a guy that can roam around. So I'm going to go with the rookies, now that you've mentioned Rashawn Gary, really exploding and shushing that Brian Gutekunst hate club if there is one. I'm definitely not a part of the hate club. I'm not either. No, not at all. I'm, I Big like bad him. Sheriff. He's, he's, he's bold. He's decisive. He... Yeah, I I like what he's doing with the direction of this team, and it's actually good to see him at the podium from time to time, more than once a year. <laughs> yeah. um, it, you know that that's a transformation from kind of our previous regime under Thompson, where he'd kind of show up to the absolute minimum required mm-hmm. events and just kind of be like, okay, see you next year. He's got good it's hips. Good. He's a football yeah. guy. It, it, it's it's good. <laughs> it's good. It's good to see him. I, I'm all for him. What he's done with this roster next year will be the big, big time when, uh, when you know, seeing what we do with some of these, uh, with these uh, um, free, free agents that are yep. going to be coming up and seeing what we do there. But I'm here for it. I'm excited. I can't wait for football. Sunday, three days away. Let's get it. I'm. I can't wait. Well, there you have it. I can't think of a better way to wrap up New Season on Tap. I am your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Ken Ingalls. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound. 
refined. Follow the unknown. Well, yeah. People keep doing these gender reveal parties. They need to knock it off with the pyrotechnics.